We started our series, Mixed Emotions, three weeks ago, and we talked about anger, we talked about fear, and we talked about depression last week, which is very real. A lot of churches don't talk about this, but I believe that it's important for us to address this issue. And we're ending our series with the scandal of weakness. Why is it important to understand and know our weakness? The Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The feeling of weakness and vulnerability is something that we will experience daily as Christians. Our family holds our own small tag group. We just had one last Tuesday, and we asked each other about the struggles, the emotions that we grappled with the, the past week. And what I find so fascinating and so beautiful about doing this is that when you are honest with your feelings, you allow yourselves to remove the walls around you and reveal to people the things that you keep from them, your innermost thoughts, your feelings, your fears, things that you do not want people to see or hear about you, your personal struggles. This is probably the most favorite question that's asked in job interviews. And we know that answering this question can be quite difficult, right? Because you really have to think deeply about yourself, and you have to raise your level of self-awareness to be able to answer a question like this. It is important to know our weakness, because the fact of the matter is we struggle with some things in our lives. Whether we like it or not, behind the face of every man is a war battling that we probably know little about or probably know nothing about. We all have our areas in our lives where we are weak at. And it is important to know our weakness because that is where the enemy will attack you. The enemy knows where we are most vulnerable. And admitting our mistake takes courage and it takes humility. Humility is simply being honest about our weaknesses. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, a great man is always willing to be little. The Bible says pride comes before destruction and arrogance before a fall. You may not be aware of it, but every day we are fighting a battle that is very real. What many of us don't realize is the battle starts here in our minds and in our thoughts. You can be sitting here right now, but your thought can be somewhere else. The battle starts here, but it can also end here. But the problem is, it's not always the case. The Bible says the enemy is like a roaring lion waiting to devour its prey. The enemy is very cunning. He knows exactly where and when to attack you. When where does he grab the opportunity to do this? I'd like to cite some instances where our weakness is exposed to the enemy. Number one, the devil tempts us when we are alone because he knows that we are most vulnerable when others are not around us. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He knew Jesus was alone, and he tempted him. The enemy wants you to isolate yourself because when you are alone, 
that's the best time that he can lie to you and play with your mind without any distraction. But God, remember, never sends you into a situation alone. He goes before you. He stands beside you. He walks behind you. Remember, if you are in a dark and lonely place, you are not alone. God is with you. The battle of the mind happens when you are in pain. And sometimes you're asking God, where are you when I am hurting? If you're having a problem with your spouse or in your relationship, the enemy will feed you bad thoughts about the other person, which will further destroy and break the relationship down even more. The strategy of the enemy is first to divide people and then to conquer them. The first thing that the enemy will attack in the family is the marriage. If you have an illness or a physical pain, he will try to make you believe that God doesn't care about what you feel. But remember, God is never silent in your suffering. There is a purpose and a plan for your pain. Pain expands endurance. That's what the Bible says. It matures you and it prepares you for a reward. Paul said, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's in Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 17. You are most weak when you are angry. Remember, the one that angers you is the one that controls you. You know, anger tips your balance, and it makes you do and say things that hurt people and destroy relationships. If you have a heart full of anger, you don't have any room for love. You are most vulnerable when you're angry. You're most vulnerable when you have been wronged. Why? Because when you have been wronged, justice seems to be like it's mine. Pride gets in the way. And you'll say, I'm right and you're wrong, and I'll do whatever it takes to prove that. It is when being right is more important than doing what is right. And in the process, you hurt the other person simply because you want to be right. At whose expense? The expense of the people who care about you. Most relationships fail because couples, they argue with pride more than they speak with love. And the Bible reminds us to move from bitterness to forgiveness. The devil will attack you during moments of extreme frustration. There will be times when you feel like you're on the edge. You know, there are days when you feel like you're easily irritated, when just the sight of a person just blows you away, when a simple conversation with your spouse suddenly turns into an explosive argument, or when just one simple thought in your mind can lead you to a downward spiral of negative emotions. That happens. The Bible says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You become a different person when you're angry. Why? Because you think. You speak before you think. And the world suddenly becomes all about you and all about what you feel. One of the enemy's tactics is to get you so busy and so tired. We all live busy lives. We all do a lot of things all at the same time. And the enemy can attack us when we are too busy 
or when we are too tired. And I'm not talking about just physical tiredness. I'm talking about emotional tiredness, spiritual tiredness. There will be days when you will just be tired for being tired. And it's just like, I give up. Now, the greatest lie of the enemy is when he tells you to justify you setting aside God's kingdom because you're tired and you're busy. There will be many times when you will set aside meeting with people, doing fellowship, meditating on the Bible, praying to God, coming to church, simply because you are busy, simply because you are tired, too busy to pray, too busy to meditate, too tired to come together for Sunday fellowship or Saturday fellowship. Isaiah writes, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall feel exhausted, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And waiting means relying on God and not on your own strength. To endure, to start to endure and to finish what God has asked us to seek first. And that is His kingdom more than anything else. We are most weak when we worry. A lot of us love to worry. It does not happen when we think about the future. Worry happens when we want to control the outcome of the future, which is beyond us, right? Worry is trusting ourselves more than what God is able to do for us. It's when you put the burden on your shoulder and think that you are the savior of the world. You don't have to live in fear of tomorrow because the Bible reminds us that we can have peace. The Bible reminds us not to be anxious, to always be thankful, to ask in prayer for God to give you what you need because God will give you His peace that transcends all understanding, that will guide your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. We all go through emotional storms in our lives, whether you like it or not. Man, woman, young and old, we all go through that. And these feelings... They're very real. We cannot set them aside. We cannot discount them. And they serve as like barometers or warning for impending bad weather. If you're angry and you dwell in that feeling of anger towards someone, storm is going to come your way. If you're full of pride and you don't want to give in, there's a tornado coming your way. The battle of the mind is real. This is where it all begins. And it's something that we fight and struggle with every day. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The enemy will use your weakness to attack you. Maybe your weakness is your temper. Maybe it's your patience. Maybe you're addicted to something. Could be alcohol, could be smoking, could be drugs. It could be Netflix. 
It could be your screen time on your phone. He knows when you are most vulnerable and where you are most weak. And he will use that against you to take your time off from serving God and living for him and serving your own desires. It is in our thoughts that the enemy holds us in prison. If you think you're free, you're not. If you're imprisoned by the enemy in your thoughts, the Bible tells us to destroy every argument that go against the knowledge of God. How do we do that? The first thing that we have to do is identify the feeling. Are you sad? Are you worried? Are you discouraged? Are you disappointed? Are you bitter? Are you, are you feeling like you're just wandering aimlessly without any purpose in life? Do you feel like tired and exhausted and unmotivated to do anything? You have to identify the feeling. And the next thing that you have to do is acknowledge and admit that you're feeling that way. Do not deny it. Do not discount it. Do not justify it. It is okay to be sad. It is okay to be worried. God will not condemn you for being honest about what you feel. Maybe you felt bad because your spouse knows that you don't like that, but she still did it anyway. Sometimes they do that, right? And then you feel provoked, and you start dwelling on that feeling. And one thought comes after another, then another, and before you know it, you're burning with resentment, bitterness, and anger towards your spouse. That is where we get stuck the most, because we allow the emotion to dwell in us and we allow it to linger in our minds and poison it. The next thing that we have to do is very important. We have to do something about it. It is not what you're feeling that defines you. It is how you respond to the feeling that reveals the condition of your heart. It's not the feeling that defines you. You can be sad, you can be worried, you can be anxious, that's okay. But how you respond to it exposes what's in your heart. We simply have to do something about it. In the middle of those intense emotional moments, that is where the enemy tempts us. That is where pride will take its root. And that pride, it will defy us. It will destroy the very relationships we're trying to save. We need to destroy every argument that goes against the knowledge of God. And what is that? Anything that teaches against love for God and for others. Remember, anything that teaches against love for God or for others, we must capture it. The Bible says, take captive and surrender them to Jesus. Just say, Lord, I feel this way and I know it's wrong. Please help me to resist the temptation and to give in to this feeling. And give me the humility to submit to your will and do what is right and pleasing in your eyes. We should capture and surrender them to Jesus. It is impossible for a Christian to be alive and be an island to ourselves at the same time. I realize that in the beginning, we all have an important role to play in the lives of the people around us. The Bible 
in Romans 14.7 says, No one lives for himself alone. No one dies for himself alone. It is important, I tell you, if you're in a relationship, it is important to communicate your emotions to your spouse, to your parents, to your children, to your friends. Communication, when done the right way, is the lifeblood of any relationship. Therefore, it is our responsibility to create a healthy environment in our families, in our workplace, where communication can thrive. The leading cause of divorce is not infidelity. The leading cause of divorce is emotional disconnection. You live in the same house, you share the same life, but you are disconnected from each other. Have you experienced like there's this growing distance between you and someone really very important to you? Have you felt like the man in your house is a total stranger? We need to create an environment where we could talk about our feelings using an emotional language. And a lot of us escape that moment where we could communicate with the people around us. We just binge on Netflix, or we work too hard, or just spend too much time on the screen. When was the last time you sincerely asked the person you love, how are you? Are you okay? See, do they feel emotionally safe, not just to say they're okay, but to actually say what they feel? Because when someone says, how are you? I'm okay. There could be a lot of things going on in his mind. I'm okay could mean I'm sad. I'm afraid. I'm frustrated. I'm hurt. A lot of people just want to vent out their feelings. And when they do, I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I think we should create an environment in our relationships where people are free to vent out their feelings. And when they do, you should tiptoe. Remember this, tiptoe through their emotions with respect. Don't make them feel that you have the answers to all their problems. Don't even attempt to give them an advice if they're not asking to. Sometimes you just want to let it out because it makes a big difference. People who ask for it know what they need to do. They just want you to be there and stand with them and say, I'm okay with what you feel, and I'm here with you. I'm going to champion you. Let me walk the dog first, and you just you know, stay there and relax and breathe. That's what we should do. They need someone who will not judge them for feeling that way. Someone who will say, your emotion is okay with me. And I just want to hug you. And I just want to let you know that I'm in this with you. People who go through emotional storms, they need to feel that God is real. They need people who will listen more and talk less. And when they speak, it will be encouraging. It will be uplifting. Their voices and their words seasoned with grace. And remember, you could be that channel for that person to experience God because of your compassion, your kindness, and your love. The battle we fight is real. And the battle you fight is not against your wife or your husband. It's not against your mother or your father. It's not against your son or daughter, your friend or your co-worker. It's not against flesh and blood. 
And the Holy Spirit has given us the power to destroy the strongholds of the mind. We will be attacked where we are most vulnerable, where we are most weak. We have the victory in Christ to destroy every arguments, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, to take it captive and obey Jesus. And I just want you to remember two words today. If you find yourself in an intense emotional turmoil, all you have to do, don't wrestle with every negative feeling that you feel right now. God is not silent in your suffering. Remember, capture and surrender. Capture the thought and surrender it in obedience to Jesus. No matter what that thought is, it will bow and surrender to Jesus. All those negative feelings, those hurt, those pain, give it to Jesus. Capture and surrender. Remember, in the lowest and darkest moments of your life, God does not want you to try harder. Don't. He just wants you to trust Him deeper. Don't struggle with it. Give it to God and trust Him. Lord, I know that you will give me the strength, that you will give me the grace to endure this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in the midst of your sufferings. Give God your weakness and He will give you His strength. And remember, when you are weak, our God is strong. Let's all continue to worship God. Father God, we sing to you a hymn of everlasting love. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, we come to you today in all our broken pieces. Lord, we come to you today with the hurt, the pain, the suffering that we have kept for so long. We have kept them from the people who are close to our hearts, thinking that we can manage it on our own. Lord, today, we take them all out from our hearts and give them to you. Lord Jesus, you said, come to me, those who are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. We've searched for that everywhere, but never found it. And Lord, we thank you for your word today, that we can capture every argument that goes against your word and against your truth and submit it in obedience to Jesus. So Lord, we are doing that right now. Every unforgiveness, every pain, every hurt that we've kept for so long, every suffering, every worry, every negative emotion, we captured them and surrendered them to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. 
Lord, we thank you for this church family. We thank you for what you're doing in and through our leaders. Lord, thank you that we can come to you in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our brokenness, and just say, I give it to you, Jesus. When we are weak, our God is strong. And that's something that we can hold on in every trial, in every tribulation, in every storm that we face. So we give the glory, the honor, and the praise to you, O oh God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.